Education is the key to success. Go to school, get a job, and live a good life. That is the African dream. And Jay, is it just me or someone light to the masses? People are on these streets carrying their entire alphabet of degrees, and yet they are living hand to mouth. No one is questioning what are we learning? Why are we learning it? What is education? And what is success? Let's not forget, there's also a growing number of people with special and varying needs who do not even have access to basic education. I have to ask, is education in Africa broken? My name is Tebo Hakangota III. Join me every week as I sit down with experts, educators, parents, and students to talk about the state of education on the African continent. It's a lot. Welcome to the Educated Africana. yet going into an interesting topic we are talking about nutrition with me i have makeni and tokozile who are going to share their expertise experiences on this topic especially in connection to education in africa i'm going to let the ladies to just introduce themselves shortly just to give us an idea of who are they what are they bring what are they gonna tell us not giving us too much for now but just telling us a little bit about themselves i can promise you that we have some experienced people today Tobazile, can you just introduce yourself with a few sentences thank you for having me on this podcast my name is Tobazile Nguenya. i live and reside in lusaka zambia I'm a mother of two children aged seven and nine. Um, And with that, you can understand that nutrition affects me on a daily basis as I prepare meals for our home, uh, lunch boxes for the children to go to school and for myself as I go to work. In addition, I am a writer for Mkwazi Magazine, um, which is um, a well-known reputable magazine in Zambia that covers travel, tourism as well as hotels and my particular features have been restaurants um, in Zambia as well as hotels and the menus they have to offer. Wonderful. Makeni, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and how nutrition relates to you especially in education in Africa? I'm Makeni Zonneveld, a South African who now resides in the Netherlands. I'm an educator. That's how I define myself. Although I no longer stand in front of students, I still refer to myself as an educator because I'm a people developer. And um, I'm originally from South Africa where I was actually a lecturer, a college lecturer standing in front of students. And education is still so much part of my passion that even now, even online, I still help students, you know, with maths, with uh, career guidance. It's really in my blood. And uh, when it comes to nutrition, 
I'm the only cook here. <laughs> I live with my husband here and I literally kicked him out of the kitchen because I love cooking and I'm the one with all the uh, in-depth knowledge on nutrition. And where did I get this in-depth knowledge from? In, from between 2006 and 2008, I went through 18 months of hell. I'll talk about that later. And at the end, I found 18 months later, in the middle of 20, 2008, I found a solution in nutrition and canceled a very big operation. Since then, nutrition became my passion and I studied more and more and more informally. And I share that information. That is what I do. And when we talk about uh, nutrition in schools, it's something I'm very excited about because we must catch them young. Prevention is better than cure. Mike, out with all the buzz words, solution in nutrition, prevention is better than cure. You know what? And I can't wait just to dive into this. So ladies, when you hear the word nutrition, give me a word or a phrase that comes to mind. Togo. When I hear the word nutrition, the words that come to mind is balanced diet. Okay, okay. Mikeni, what comes to mind when you hear nutrition? You may have just said it, but I want to hear. <laughs> when I hear nutrition, I hear what I talk about all the time. It's all about health gain and not about weight loss. And also another thing that gives me the drive to talk about this every day is the way people are bombarded with information on social media uh, on what healthy eating is. And that information is simply driven by profits. And my concern is it doesn't only cost people money, but it costs them their health because most of the things that are called touted as healthy are actually just simply cancer factories. Oh, so true, so true. So let's get into it. For an everyday African, how do you answer the question, what is good nutrition? And considering the resources that are available to Africa, because it's so easy to Google and find all these beautiful ingredients, but many times you find that that is not what we have in Africa. I am in Zambia. I am from South Africa. I know Makeni, you are from South Africa. Togozile, I know you are in Zambia. How, if we use these two countries that are African countries, what should I consider as nutrition that I have access to as an African? Makeni, I'll start with you. Okay, thank you. Usually when I talk to people about nutrition, I say it's about what every foodstuff costs you. Like, you know, we know what drugs like marijuana cost the body, alcohol, nicotine, but most of the people don't know what everyday foodstuffs like mainly the biggest, the biggest enemy in the world is the S word, sugar. If people became aware of what sugar costs them and what sugar means, because it's not just the little, the teaspoon of white stuff. Sugar is in so much that's given to children. Cereals, yogurt, all these things that we give to children 
cookies, pizzas, pasta. That is all sugar. And I say to people, if you get that out of your diet, then more than half the battle is won. And then people say, what remains? I say vegetables and protein. And, uh, you know, up to very recently, up to last year, I was one of the people who used to say, eat whole wheat bread, eat whole wheat bread. But now since I really understand what wheat does, whether it's whole wheat or not, I say to people who can afford it, never touch wheat, even whole wheat. But if I'm talking to someone who cannot afford, who really cannot afford almond flour, I bake bread with almond flour. It's very expensive. Someone who cannot afford spelt, I say, then give your children whole wheat flour. I'm so happy that you mentioned those ingredients because I believe, or at least what I've noticed that many times, that's what you hear about. You hear about the whole wheat, you hear about the almond flour, almond milk, and those are not easily accessible to me. Even as a person who is aware of their benefit. Before you get to Tokozile, I said almond flour. Please, almond milk is something else. Dairy substitutes are something else. Meat substitutes are something else. Those are the things that are supposed to be healthy that are not healthy. So when I say I bake bread with almond flour, I don't mean drink almond milk unless you're going to make almond milk. That's another story. But anything pre-prepared, anything with preservatives, anything from a tin or a packet or anything you buy ready-made, that is a cancer factory. I just wanted to clarify that. Thank you for the clarification. I must have spoken a bit quick. I was making examples with almond flour. I've also heard of almond milk. I'm just putting them in that category. Of, I've heard of these things, but the access to them is like, where, how, even like in our day shops, our shop rights and whatever, it's not so easily accessible, especially in Zambia. So my additional question to Togozile was going to be, as a mom, especially of young children, like you had explained as you introduced yourself, what are your options that you go for, especially your basics that you make sure that, you know, you were talking about packing lunch tins and making sure that their food is healthy, it's got proper nutrition. What do you look out for? What do you make sure that it's never missing in your children's lunch tin? Remember, we are also trying to encourage parents of children, especially school-going students. So Togazili, given where we are, we are in Zambia. How do you go about that? Um, so first and foremost, I'd like to just emphasize that I think that being African is the greatest gift that God has given to us. By this, I mean that we have a very uh, conducive climate, uh, soil, um, environment. Um, a lot of things grow in abundance naturally. And it's. I feel like sometimes with, with technology and how far we've developed, we like to complicate things. For me, um, I would want to say and emphasize that 
keeping it as natural as possible is easier for me, um, not only in complexity, but on the wallet. Um, it's very expensive. Um, like, you know, these, um, as McKenney had mentioned, this social media bombarding all these diets, we complicate things. What is in your backyard? What is at the market? What is in season? Because in Zambia, we have very simple seasons and there's always fresh vegetables and fresh fruits, tubers that are affordable to everybody and available to everyone. And they're just easily accessible. To answer your question, when packing um, for the children, um, I do mix and match here and there, but if there's something that is never, is always rather in the lunchbox, it's a fruit, um, a natural fruit for the sources of vitamin, for that natural sweetness uh, to avoid, because children love sweets and they know the rule. I don't buy sweets in my house. <laughs> I do occasionally when I receive gifts like chocolates and things like that, but I just don't buy sweets. Oh, an occasional treat is a chocolate here and there, yes. And so to, to sort of uh, meet that craving and that desire, and so they're not feeling left out with their um, schoolmates, there's always a fruit. Um, there's always protein as well and a, and a carb. It's a bit difficult with me with the vegetables because to keep that freshness, yes, you can use the foil. A fruit is always, always available. As you were talking, I was just thinking of... The Daily Five, you spoke about the protein and the uh, the different categories like that are needed, the vegetable, you know, that are needed in a balanced uh, plate. And Makeni, that's where I want to take us. Now, you are talking to a busy parent who doesn't even know what you're talking about when you say nutrition who goes for convenience and easy to give tax shop money. My child gets a, a pie and a juice and maybe a packet of chips. What am I doing wrong? I know there's some, like the food is not healthy, but it's convenient. I don't have the time to make the actual food. I have three children. Waking up is a whole thing on its own. Going to bed is another thing on its own. And I'm giving these examples not to be extra, but these are the conversations that we are having, especially in the school environment, when you try and encourage parents to say, move away from the biscuits every day, move away to the move away from the tax shop money every day. Now, if we're lo looking at the idea of balancing the pyramid, or some call it the, the daily five, how would you advise me? What, what should I check? to make sure that those things are there, at least I'm willing, even if I'm busy, I'll pack it in the night. How would you advise me? What should I try? Beginner level. Okay. Firstly, I'd like to really repeat some stuff that Tokozile says, because I think it's worth emphasizing. Tokozile, thank you. You said a fruit. That makes all the difference. A fruit, I'm an adult, I've got a bigger body than a kid, but I eat one fruit per day. A fruit, thank you Tokozile, because we shouldn't bombard our children with a lot of fruit because as Tokozile said, in Africa, these fruit and vegetables grow. At my age, 
at 70, I can tell you the difference between the fruit that were there when I was young and the fruit that we eat today. Everything is sweeter. It, it is not by accident, it is by design because people are addicted to sugar. I once talked to someone here in the Netherlands who works for a company that develops these seeds and make things sweeter and sweeter and sweeter. And I said to him, why do you make fruit and vegetable so sweet? He said, people want sugar, full stop. That's all he said. At least he's honest. He said, people want sugar. So in fact, it is even better to have no fruit other than too much fruit because you get all the nutrients you would get out of a fruit out of vegetables. And the vegetables themselves have become too sweet. So you, need, you get all the carbohydrates that you need from a meal from vegetables. So people think, okay, you need protein plus vegetables plus carbohydrates. Carbohydrates are in vegetables. So on your plate, you should not have protein, vegetables, and carbohydrates. In the beans, in the vegetables, all the vegetables, you already have carbohydrates. I want to go back to where I started with what to exclude. Togozile said a fruit and did not mention fruit juice. That is what gets into many lunch boxes. My kids are now grown up. I think they are older than both of you because they are 41 and 42. When they were small, I wanted to be a good parent. I said, no fizzy drinks. That part was good. But what did I do? I used to go to macro every month and buy crates of 100 milliliter cartons of fruit juice. Because what's written on the carton? Pure fruit juice, no sugar added. Now, how many apples does it take to make that one carton? So Togozile gives the child one apple. The parent who spends more money, like Mark Haney did, gives a hundred milliliter, eight apples into that small little body. So if you give your child and your family, everybody yourself, the natural stuff, the vegetables, the beans, the white meat, the white fish. And if you can't afford um, almond flour, as I said, whole wheat bread, then you, you have subtracted a lot of cost because poison is costly. Pre-prepared is costly, that's the poison. And uh, meat replacements, those are poisons. Healthy food is not expensive. That is a myth that we need to kill. I just want to reiterate on the juice part. I remember in South Africa, juice was actually banned in the school that I was working at and mm -hmm. children were only allowed to carry water. That was the only drink that was allowed. And <laughs> it was a primary school. They were not allowed to go to tuck shop. However, we still have those parents who, you know, in this day and age, uh, or think are doing the best. Like you had made an example of yourself to say, you know, I bought the fruit juice because I was doing the best, the best with the knowledge that I had. And that is, that gave me an aha moment to say, well, yes, 
you know, to make one small box of juice. Actually, when you put it into perspective, if you were to squeeze out from an apple with your juicer or from any fruit with your juicer, you'd literally get a little cup like that of the juice from that natural fruit. So really, for me, I was like, huh, okay, yeah, it makes sense. So even me, as a teacher, as a mom, I just learned something. Also, another thing to reiterate is about carbohydrates. Like many parents, like many adults, I did think it can be a category on its own and has to be added on its own into the lunch tin or on the plate or what, whatever it is that you're presenting. But luckily today, my dear listeners, we are learning a lot. Many of our vegetables have that in them already. Now, I want us to talk about the culture of the adults in our communities, especially when it does come to nutrition. Education has a lot of stakeholders. It's the student, it's the teacher, it's the parent, and obviously the management of whatever school it is. However, the teacher and the parent are the biggest influencers. Now, in a classroom, a teacher can preach, give as many examples as possible, encourage, and do everything. But the culture at home has to match that encouragement. What I've picked up in Zambia is many people have backyard gardens. This is something that I'm not used to in South Africa. You would be surprised to find someone having a backyard garden. How do you think that has benefited the Zambian child, Togozile, knowing and growing with that practice? So I'll start by um, giving a little background about myself. I, we partially grew up on a farm. And um, if I wasn't at home, my grandparents were on a farm. And so I used to help my grandparents uh, plant maize, uh, going to the garden to get vegetables to cook uh, with my grandmother or with my grandfather. And so what that did for me at a very young age was it started to instill in me a culture and a habit of appreciating um, from the soil. And when I was given the opportunity to travel and I told my friends that I I don't eat mangoes um, from the store because my grandmother would used to smack my hands when I would take the mangoes when they were not yet ready from the tree, we were not allowed. So I don't eat those raw mangoes. And they, they told me they had never experienced plucking a mango from a tree or a guava. All they knew was it being bought in a store. And so what that has done for me growing up, and I didn't realize at that time, was to appreciate, first of all, the fruits of the soil. And even just that labor of love, that these things that we people are doing now with this instant this, instant that, it's, it's, not, it's not really natural and it has consequences. And I'll always gravitate, even though I'm living in a smaller apartment now with, we can't really have a garden, but I have a little corner with, with herbs. And when I don't have that, I'm going to my grandmother's house to pluck tomatoes and and vegetables at her house because she lives maybe 
a few minutes away um, or so, but it's given me an appreciation for nature and, and how good it is for our bodies and, and how you can pour into it, the, the love in your garden and it will re reciprocate back to you uh, rather than having the excess, sorry, um, the instant vegetables, the instant this and the instant that that we have, that it, it does have consequences. And so I think it has affected me in growing up. I'm a person that doesn't eat without vegetables. I feel strange when there are no vegetables. <laughs> it's just very odd to me. I'm, I'm always wanting vegetables because it's what I'm used to. I, I feel strange, whereas others feel strange when there's no meat. Uh, that too. <laughs> um, so the habits have also gone towards my children, even though they have not always appreciated certain vegetables. I, I, I loathed beetroot growing up and I thought my mother was punishing me by giving me beetroot. Now I love beetroot. I put it in a salad, I pickle it. And with time, instilling these um, habits, um, they do yield great results, so to say. <laughs> you know, I, I, I believe you lived on the flip side of how I lived. And I grew up to, uh, not even grew up, it, as I, after getting married and I moved to Zambia, that's when I started appreciating exactly what you are talking about and how it does affect a child from such a young age. Like they say, show a child they'll do it, but just tell them it, it's as good as just talking to thin air or to a wall. If, they are, if you are practicing it, they will practice that as well. Makeni, I don't know how you can bring a South African perspective because us, we are not farmers. <laughs> and I don't know how you raised your girls, what was the setup at home, or what did you pick up maybe somewhere that led you to being the way that you are today, however, knowing how I grew up and how the South African uh, locations, like we, we call them, are set up, that was not, what can I say, a normal practice to have the backyard garden. If you can just add a few on that one. Uh, I'm so impressed. I didn't know, I only heard from you now that in Zambia, there's this culture of uh, vegetable patches. In South Africa, it's not common. And in South Africa, what we do, we pave the garden with a lot of money. Or if you can't afford paving, then they put cement on the whole garden, which is so wrong. So uh, my background was when I grew up, we didn't have a vegetable patch, but my mother was always talking about good nutrition. With the limited knowledge she had then about nutrition, we ate vegetables every day. And it was not the norm. The norm was to eat vegetables on Sunday. We ate vegetables every day. And my kids grew up like that with vegetables every day. And I think it, it's a good thing to try and inculcate that culture in other countries outside Zambia where this is not happening. And uh, uh, the last house, no, the last but one house that I had in South Africa, in fact, it was the last one. I had a vegetable patch. And one day I went to this big fruit and vegetable store that you know, that is, it's, that is in all the cities. 
And I went there and they, I bought tomatoes and the young lady at the till, you know, just to do her work, to be kind, said, if you take two packets of tomatoes, you get lettuce free. And I said, no, I don't buy lettuce because, because I lived alone then. And I had enough lettuce from the garden. I ate salad all the time. I said, because I've got enough lettuce in my garden. She said in Isizul, Iyamila. Now you won't believe it, Togozil. It means, does it grow? She was shocked. She works in this place that is so huge that sells fruit and vegetable. And I said, where do you think all this stuff comes from? She said, I don't know. It gets delivered by a truck. So she thought fruit and vegetables come from a factory. That's how bad things are. That this girl from Soweto, 20 years old, did not know that lettuce grows. So it's about time we change that. It's really about time we change that because many people in South Africa have yards where you can have a vegetable patch. At the moment, I don't have a vegetable patch because where we live, you know, the Netherlands is tulip land. We live in a place where they used to plant tulips and the soil, you know, all the pesticides that they use, the soil is not great. And the amount of vegetables that the two of us consume on a daily basis is so much that a vegetable patch would not suffice. That, that is my reason. I buy frozen vegetables because frozen, you know, when I talk to people, they say, no, my Kenny, I eat fresh vegetables. What are fresh vegetables? Fresh vegetables are frozen vegetables because they get frozen at source. And vegetables, you know, better vegetables are vegetables you buy from the market in our areas, in townships, etc. Why? Because they don't have artificial means of keeping vegetables fresh, so-called fresh, for weeks that the supermarkets have. And vegetables get transported. Here, we eat stuff from South Africa, from Spain, from all over, gets harvested and transported, frozen, defrosted. And then when it sits pretty at the supermarket shelf, we call it fresh vegetables. They, every time you take an apple off a tree or you, you, any vegetable or fruit that you harvest, start losing nutrients every minute, every day. So uh, the, the vegetable patch thing, hands, thumbs up to the Zambians. Keep it up, guys. Just going back to what Tokozile and Makini asked saying, you know, vegetables, you, you know, I don't know how many times I've heard the word vegetables. Vegetables, 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 dear listeners, that is where the hell is. Let's teach our children, let's teach our students, let's make themselves sufficient and practice is what is going to work, not just preaching to them. Appreciate the soil. I think that's what we can all take from the Zambian uh, communities. Appreciate the soil. When you work it, it will work for you. Take care of it. It will take care of you, essentially. Let it not be, again, our children discover us, like us in their 30s and late 20s, what eating healthy and how things can be grown and what could be done 
happens again. This is our time with our three-year-old, four-year-old. We know ourselves. Now, as we move on, unfortunately, Africa has a lot of poverty-stricken places and poverty-stricken schools that, you know, classes are in numbers. Children, parents are eager to know. They are eager to learn. However, resources are very, very, very limited, if we can say the least. These places, in my knowledge, I know for sure in South Africa, are usually subsidized by the government to uh, hand over or give um, a meal a day to such children, such communities. And the meals are usually quite balanced, to say the least, especially with what is available. Now, sometimes having too much, when we look at poverty-stricken places and when we look at private school children, parents, and we compare the two, the malnourishment may come from actually having a lot, having too many resources, having too much money, being too busy, supplementing what should be chewed and enjoyed with gummy vitamins and all sorts of things. Do you ladies think or wonder if we as African schools made a rule like the Japanese to say, uh, everybody, all the schools get a meal from school? Are we going to be able to tackle all our children's nutrition necessities for a daily meal? Would that be something that works for us? Togozile, what do you think? Before I answer that, I wanted to highlight what McKinney spoke about um, when she touched on frozen vegetables. You know, for a long time, I, I, I must admit that I thought that because they're frozen, either their nutritional value uh, goes down or that they are preservatives. And I just love that you touched on that. And it's something that's taken me time as well, you know, because you think one is better than the other because of A, B, C, D. But through knowledge and interaction, we are learning better. So thank you for that. Now, to answer your question, um, do I think that having a standardized um, provision of meals in schools is a good idea in Africa? Yes and no, <laughs> if that helps. First of all, I want us to be realistic. We're struggling with education already and various other factors. <laughs> Introducing, um, I wouldn't want to call it a burden, but for lack of using a better term right now, we are struggling with so much. I just don't know if our school systems, especially the government in Zambia, would be able to manage that. Now let's take that to the private schools. I don't think it's a bad idea. I think that it's something that could be explored if um, specialists in nutrition, these are experts, uh, would take a lead in this. Um, because you look at what happens in the social settings right now, there's pressure sometimes children compare what is in their lunchbox with their peers. Um, and this is, this is not always a good thing. Um, other parents pack things that are more fast foody. 
others are more and and there's this there's this competition and desire so if this was led by the experts in nutrition and there was um the financial capacity to do this i think that that would be good it would bring uniformity in many other areas and it for busy parents i think you tackled busy parents uh, in the beginning of this uh, discussion we would ensure that maybe all the food groups are met whereas with in day to day you can skip uh, you can get busy and just life's challenges that present itself so yes i hope that answers your question it's it should be an idea that could be explored in the private sector i think that in the public sector we are not at that point right now we are we're still tackling many other core issues yeah i understand that and you know um, <clears throat> in zambia there's so many like you said so many resources that the school um system is lacking uh resources stationary even workforce curriculum all of that is also quite behind my answer is like togozile yes and no but for me the main thing is it starts with education you said earlier in education there are different stakeholders it starts with educating all the adults around the child educating the parent togozile have agreed with you on with you on everything except that as a treat you give a chocolate we should educate parents so that they realize exactly what a chocolate is costing their child it, exactly what sugar costs their child you know most of the kids that are on retinin should actually be off sugar instead of on on retinin they should be off sugar if parents knew what caffeine and sugar costs their children that would go a long way so if parents could understand you know the emphasis is on what does this cost me and i exclude it so whether it's in a lunch box or sold at school or given for free at school it's actually about what does it cost i'll give you a quick example contrary to popular belief there is poverty in europe in the us in the uk on tv here the minister of education i felt like crying the minister of education was at a primary school launching a program at a school in a poor area and there he sat on a little chair with the children and what was on the table tons of fruit only fruit tons of fruit the kids had more than a banana each the kids all got a juice bottle i wanted to cry i wanted to cry so now you you mentioned something so important tebuho it it you know most of the problems that we have today chronic illnesses are not caused by starvation they are caused by the undernourishment of the poor because all the junk that people eat uh, everything is nutrition deficient and so that is what we give to our children so it, 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 just imagine this lunch box of a parent who does not have money two slices of whole wheat bread don't tell me you can't afford whole wheat because you can't afford sweets 
two slices of whole wheat bread with either peanut butter or eggs and peanut butter without sugar that is available. I make hazelnut and raisin paste. I don't buy it. I buy hazelnut and with a blender, make it from scratch. So I don't expect parents, all parents to afford that. But you can buy peanut butter that has no sugar. You can, because uh, you, you must teach your children not to be addicted to sugar. And that, you know, I, 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 if we had two more hours, I'll talk 50 times more about sugar. And then give your child a bottle that they can refill with water instead of buying you know it, it, at the schools here what they say yeah because they talk about obesity obesity is not a condition the condition is poor nutrition we should address that they talk about obesity and then they say at the schools maybe it's an idea to stop uh, getting cool drinks and juices from the dispensing machines and rather get bottled water you know i i uh, I, I nearly cursed. We should not be dispensing bottles of bottled water, uh, of, uh, bottled water at schools. The kids should be having reusable, reusable bottles that they take to the tap and drink for the whole day. So now what has this child got to eat? Whole wheat bread with peanut butter, whole wheat bread with cheese, no processed meats. Please, no polony, no process, nothing processed because processed foods cause cancer. So if we can teach our children to have that lunchbox and another thing, educating parents, educating teachers, educating the authorities and also educating the kids because when I was that strict parent who bought juice, didn't allow my kids uh, fizzy drinks and sweets, you know what I learned later? From them when they grew up, they used to swap their healthy lunchbox for a can of Coke and sweets at school and their fruit because the other kids did not get fruit at home. So they appreciated getting a mandarin or an apple. So it's, it's about education, education, education. And that is what I do. You educate, McKenny. You educate. And today we are educated. Anyone who was listening to this does not walk away with one thing from Makeni, from Togozile. Guys, I don't know what you were listening to because honestly, my notebook is on page five, trying to keep up with these ladies. And I just want to reiterate a few things that have been mentioned today. A fruit a day, make sure we can do this. You know, I'm also encouraged. A fruit, water. One fruit, yeah, that it, that's it. It does its part. Let's replace juice with water. Let's be mindful of what we are putting and what we are teaching our children. You can't be having the processed meat and the fizzy drinks and all the sorts, but you want your child to be drinking water because it's healthier. And I think one thing that uh, also really caught me is what does it cost you what does it cost your health one chocolate what does it cost your health and there's something that was um touched on also about uh medicine 
especially uh, for especially Ritalin and the, and the likes for ADHD and things like that. And for me, it's, I think I've heard it a few times here and there, but hearing that, you know, a child might only need to be taken away from sugar or reduce the amount of sugar instead of getting Ritalin, it, it made me think of so many cases of children that I have taught in my young career that are or were on Ritalin. And I thought, okay, this thing is not working. Little did I know it may just be sugar. Ladies, I want to give you an opportunity to share with us where you are found. How can we continue the conversation with you? Where can people read about you? Whatever it is, I know you guys are on a few platforms. Togozile, please share with us. And after you will give Mike a turn to share with us, what other projects are you in that we can also involve ourselves in and start changing not only our own lives as adults, but also the children that we are influencing? Togozile. I'm found on two main platforms, uh, LinkedIn, Togozile Ngwenya here in Lusaka, Zambia. Um, my writings uh, and for the magazine, um, for travel as well as restaurants and hotels and the experiences I have had there is found on Linktree, um, linktr.ee slash Togozile Ngwenya, based here in Lusaka, Zambia. Thank you so much, Togozile. We'll be sure to add those onto our episode. Makeni, please share with us, where can we find you? How can we follow your influence, guidance beyond this episode? Thank you so much. I offer coaching to people face-to-face -face and virtually uh, online. And I also, uh, I'm busy finalizing a book on this subject. And as soon as it's ready, Africana women will be the first to know about that. And I've got a website for that because my other websites are for the corporate work that I do, being a speaker, doing workshops, leadership, etc. But I have a website for this because I'm called the coolest granny in town because this coolest granny with so much energy is 70 years old, guys. You heard well, 70. 70 is the new 50, guys. And by 70 is the new 50, I don't mean looking glamorous. I mean feeling like a million dollars. So you can contact me via one of my websites, mykenny.com or coolestgranny.online, not .com, coolestgranny.online, and let's have a conversation. You don't have to be my paying coaching client. If you can't pay for the coaching, let's just have a conversation, and you will be the first to hear about the book. I get interviewed on mass media all over, but I was so excited when I got invited to Africana Women, because the work that Chulu and you guys do really rocks. Thank you very much. God bless you. Thank you so much, ladies. Your enthusiasm, your information, your knowledge, your experience 
it does not go unnoticed. I know already there are so many lives that has have been touched. There's so many individuals that are going to do something because of this episode. And I believe you are about to be asked a gazillion questions after this episode. I hope you are ready. Thank you so much for the time. I could have gone on. I think I have five more questions that I could have asked because it was just coming in left, right, and center. But I do appreciate the time that you have taken to be with me on the Educated Africana. And those who don't know, Africana Woman is our big branch, our brain, and we are the brain child. We are just under Africana Woman, but we appreciate it so much that we are able to also infuse education, especially in the African lands. Everybody who's been listening, we appreciate you. Be part of the solution. Talking is not enough. We need action. So I am challenging you today. What are you going to do about what you just heard? Tell us all about it on social media. Tag at Africana Women or hashtag Educated Africana. The Educated Africana is part of the Africana Women podcast network. Subscribe, review, and share this episode to help us keep the conversation going. You can also follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram at Africana Woman or hashtag educatedafricana. Catch you next week.